Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose, and that you can do it right through the things that God is carrying you through in your season as a single mom. Here we talk about all of the things that matter to a single mom, but most of all, I hope you found a place where you feel like you belong. Let's get started. I'm so happy to have you with me today. I am your host, Michelle Donnelly. Today's conversation revolves all around dating to find your match. And we talk about how to emotionally prepare yourself for dating and then how to know what to look for in the process to find someone who's a good fit for you. I'm joined in this conversation by Dr. Christy Kadarian. Christy is a marriage and family therapist and dating coach, but she also has previous experience as a professional matchmaker and as a relationship expert for both Match.com and eHarmony. Christy breaks down for us, firstly, what it is to know ourselves and know what we're looking for so that we can determine if someone would be a good match, but then also how to get our emotions and our logic to work together so that we can identify that in our dating experiences. If you're enjoying the podcast, would you take a moment and leave a ranking or a review wherever it is that you listen to this podcast? It helps other women to find our community and just let them know that there's a place that they belong. Also, down in the show notes, if you are new to the podcast, you'll notice a link to a quiz. It's called What's Your Loneliness Type? Loneliness is something that all of us single moms have to deal with, but the reasons why we deal with loneliness are different, and they don't necessarily have that much to do with whether or not we're in a relationship. So if you'd like to learn more about your own experience with loneliness, what's causing it, and then some of the ways out, go ahead and click on that link or head over to agapemoms.com forward slash quiz. One of the things that really came through in this conversation with Christy was also how to take good care of ourselves and our emotional health as we're stepping through the minefield that sometimes dating can be. Here is my conversation with Dr. Christy Kadarian. Christy, I'm excited that you're joining me today. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Michelle. So great to be here. I'm excited too, because you come at this from a very unique perspective as a professional matchmaker, and you have some experience with the research side of compatibility and the things that we actually perhaps should be looking for when it comes to dating and relationships. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to know if you would start us off sharing a little bit about your experience as a matchmaker, but then also giving us some context for compatibility and what really we should be looking for in our dating experiences. Sure. So basically in my experience and part of my journey, the reason that I was really drawn to this field in general is because as a Christian and you know culturally, my background is an Armenian, I saw how much relationships, um, our relationship with God, with our families, with our community really impact our identity. And that's, you know, kind of the root of who we are as people. And specifically, I'd always been someone who loved, you know, uh, stories, fairy tales 
tales, romantic comedies. Um, I was just fascinated by relationships and what makes like two people work. Um, and in my in that journey, I became a marriage and family therapist, and I saw a lot of relationships that unfortunately were not working um, for various reasons, didn't work for various reasons, and um, that really led me to learning more and about specifically the work that's being done to discover, okay, well, we know what's not working. What can work? What are the compatibility um, markers that we know that we can kind of empower people before they get to a place where they're in a dynamic that just isn't working out? So uh, that kind of led my journey to working at eHarmony and learning about uh, the work of Dr. Neil Clark Warren, who uh, most people you know know is a Christian psychologist and. He really created eHarmony um, with the intention and goal to reduce the divorce rate in America because he saw this obviously in his office all the time and um, basically created the 29, now it's 32 dimensions of compatibility. And these are things that you know you won't find in the romantic comedy world pop culture, people might tell you things. One of my favorite is opposites attract. And what research really shows is that the more similar you are in really important ways, the more compatible you are and the more likely to have a long lasting relationship. So it really opened my mind and my work as an matchmaker to helping us get to the heart of, okay, what's really going to give you that long lasting happiness and the type of life where you feel fully aligned with who you are in partnership with somebody else? And what are things that aren't as important? So that's really what I hope I empower clients to do is to get that clarity and that that knowledge so that you can make those decisions in your relationships. So I think this is fascinating that you're saying it's not opposites attract, really. But we know that there can be some benefit where there are some strengths and weaknesses that maybe another person's strengths shores up a place that we're weak in. But you're mm-hmm. saying that it's better that we are similar in very important areas. What types of areas are you alluding to? Yeah. So um, what I really teach in my methodology is what I call values-based dating. So you really want to get very clear on what your values are and then learn about what somebody else's values are. And the research really supports things like family background and dynamics, even levels of education or uh, your financial background. These are all things that maybe we don't like to talk about or we like to say, oh, like, you know, anything can work out. But actually, the research shows us that if you came from a really similar family um, background, if you came from um, a similar education, these are all things that really can align and work in your favor for in your future relationship. Um, not necessarily that they might be deal breakers, but really learning also, okay, what's really important to me? What do I value? And how can I have that lens when I'm dating and looking for a potential partner? And like you said, there are many things that complement many areas of personality that you might be different, but we need to make sure that the marriage is built on those very important similarities as a foundation rather than that foundation of differences and division right from the start, you know, a house divided can't stand as the Bible says. So we got to be really clear on what similarities are important for us to build a relationship on. I have been obsessed with this idea of the match and that's what you're describing. It's really the biblical idea of being equally yoked. And that doesn't necessarily just mean, well, in that context, it says not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So certainly Mm -hmm. having the core value of your faith, Mm -hmm. but I've also seen where the strength and maturity of your faith is a big deal. That if you are a relatively new Christian, you might feel uncomfortable in a relationship with somebody who has been 
a Christian their entire lives. It doesn't mean it's not possible, but there are some difficulties that can arise and even some insecurities and all these things. Yes, they can be worked through. But when we think about that, it can mean, well, maybe if that's what I desire, then I want to spend more time working on myself and my relationship with the Lord so that that is actually a match for me. It doesn't mean that where I'm at right now that, well, uh, I guess I'm stuck and that's all that there is. Mm -hmm. But there are some other things though, that if we just really did pay attention to assessing ourselves first and knowing ourselves so well, then we would have an easier time of locating what seems to be familiar in a healthy sense. And if we're locating things that are familiar in an unhealthy sense, then that's also a red flag to us that we're maybe seeking out something that is familiar and comfortable, but Mm -hmm. is mismatched in the way that we would like our lives to go. Or and and sometimes is is that a mismatch with this person or is that a mismatch with us that the life that we aspire to is not really what we're embodying right now? Yeah, yeah, you're speaking my language. Like, do you want to have a coach with us? Um, <laughs> this is what I teach clients all the time. If you create and we can, you know, I'm sure we'll touch more on this. But if you have that kind of list or qualities or whatever you're seeking for in a person, the very first thing I tell single people is to work on those things yourself. A very common one I hear from women. Um, I love the faith one example that you said is a great one. The other one is like finances. Oftentimes women really want like a sense of security in somebody else, which is a great thing to value. Um, and also that's an opportunity to look at yourself and say, okay, do I feel financially literate? Do I feel that independence, that Proverbs 31 women that we read about, you know, she was a business, like she knew things about money that oftentimes we as women can feel like, okay, well, I just will, you know, trust my, a man to take care of that or look for someone who has that since I don't, but that's really looking at it from that lack or scarcity mentality, like that you complete me or what do they have that I then don't have to work on myself when really we know that the journey of marriage or relationship is to refine yourself and become more like Christ and everything as believers. So that means, okay, you're holding the mirror up to yourself and say, okay, if I want someone who's, you know, at this place, how can I improve in that area myself? And then still want that, but it's more of a partnership rather than a, they can do some work for me that Mm -hmm. I need to actually do for myself. That's really good. And I think it also helps us to protect from vulnerable places because if you, and finances is a great example, let's say the table's flipped. Let's say you are a woman who has financial stability and you are being approached by a man who's really nice, but he's not financially stable. That's a vulnerability for you and your kids. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, all of these things can work either way where if you're too strong or too weak and it can just be such a chasm of disparity Mm -hmm. that can really break a relationship from the beginning. So you did allude to though, those, um, that list that we might have, you know, and I think sometimes we might get stuck on these must haves versus these nice to haves. And, you know, after several dates, we might go, Hmm, maybe this list needs to be revised. (laughs) You know, we're stepping back into this for the first time. We're not really sure how to go about that. What do you recommend? Yeah. So I teach my clients um, how to create that list. I call it the criteria sandwich. So we have those must-haves. Those are the top bun criteria. You know, you can have a few, but you don't want a carb heavy sandwich. So you can have like two to three qualities there that are really important to you. Then the middle are the like to have, so you can fill up with as much as you want. Uh, but those aren't deal, you know, those aren't like they need to be there or not. That would just be, okay, this could kind of help our connection. And then the deal breakers are 
things that if they have them, it doesn't work for you. And so those are also, that's the bottom bun. Those are too many things. Um, and then in that way, you can kind of create this sandwich and um, cohesiveness and clarity when you're dating. Um, so I have basically what I create are like two sandwiches. You have one when you're dating. These are things you can point out on a dating app. And then there are things that you can only learn in the context of a relationship and knowing someone's character. And what I say, my clients always joke that if I wrote a book, it would be called this because I say it's all the time. The only way you can know someone's character is if it's displayed consistently over a period of time. Mm -hmm. So these are things that on a dating app, there's no way you're going to know if they have this generosity of spirit or, you know, a kindness. Unfortunately, um, you know, as many of us know, we can't find out things until we find them out oftentimes. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we have to kind of have that, okay, he meets all of these things on the surface. And now the second level, I need to explore further um, about this person and learn about them in context, different contexts, and also seeing if they display that over a period of time. I think that's what's tricky about online dating though, too, is I think we walk into it if we looked at their profile and saw something that looked like evidence for a particular character trait, then we might walk into an in-person interaction and start looking for ways to confirm that when in actuality, that person could be putting their best of their best in that profile picture. And there's really not a whole lot of substance underneath that, but we've already convinced ourselves it's there. And so we keep looking for it. Exactly. And that's where I think we end up so disappointed in walking through these experiences though, where we're blindsided after maybe weeks or months of getting to know this person. And it's like, oh, how did I miss this? Or mm -hmm. what, what did I do wrong? And it is though recognizing you are going to have to invest some time in this. Mm -hmm. If you really want to get to know who this person really, really is, the profile mm -hmm. might give you an inclination, but we should walk into these in-person experiences, these dates saying, all right, but if the slate is totally clean and I'm just watching you, what do you show me? <laughs> exactly. And the way that we can really do that is through guarding our heart and paying attention to how much you're investing already in this person. And, um, you know, unfortunately, um, I think our culture is way more, um, you know, in, in the worldly culture is very like hookup culture and the physical intimacy goes out the roof. And then you invest um, part of your somebody that you don't know yet if you want to. So we really have to make a logical investment here um, emotionally. If you, you know, you're not, you know, if you don't, that's a physical boundary for you that you have to be careful that you don't emotionally invest in somebody. So what does that look like? We're not imagining ourselves walking down the aisle with them at the end on the second day. We're not, you know, um, telling things that don't yet feel authentic. They haven't earned our trust yet. You know, you have to pay a lot of attention to how much you're emotionally investing and how can I be authentic without um, allow letting my guard down and letting somebody, letting myself connect to somebody that I don't yet know if I want to yet. So this is where we have to play that line and that patience and really stand in our own um, power and our own value and say, you know, if they lose interest after a month because at XYZ, then they're not my person and know that we're worth more than that. I think it's great you brought up to the fact that our culture is very romance novel heavy. There's a lot of this sense of I'm walking into this date and I want to see how I feel. Mm -hmm. And that can be such a blinder 
And I know some of us, myself included, are way more prone to that, way more prone to the imagining and trying on their last name, you know, and all this kind of stuff when you very first meet them. And it causes us, though, to not be very logical about who this person is. And logical Mm -hmm. seems like very unattractive or (laughs) not very fun. (laughs) But at the end of the day, that logic is how we would make any other decision. I mean, we would do so much research to buy a new dishwasher, you know, (laughs) we're using all kinds of logic, not just how we feel about the salesperson or whatever. Um, But the logic part sometimes is hard for us to engage. Mm -hmm. So for a woman who maybe is going into some of these dating scenarios, and there's two sides of the coin here, there may be a woman who's very fearful. And so it's maybe overanalyzing the situation or maybe a woman who is pretty lax and free and just really loves to connect and might not be accurately assessing from that angle. Mm-hmm. How can we go into these things knowing that we need to have the ability to logically assess this person, but mm-hmm. still enjoy the process? Yeah, that's a great question. And one of the things that I really teach my clients is um, based in attachment theory. So what I talk about, um, and I help clients discover what I call their dating blueprint. This is kind of a combination of your personality type and your attachment style, which um, is informed by your childhood, by past relationships, um, and seeing if you tend to be uh, what research uh, calls more avoidant, maybe more guarded, um, or more anxiously attached. So really wanting that validation and connection and maybe not looking at some of the warning signs. So I always say there's usually two types of people in dating, people that think everything is a red flag and people that think nothing is a red flag. And though either of those are not options that you want to be. Um, so what you really want to pay attention to is doing that inner work to really understand um, that you need to um, be in a secure place, which means you're open enough, but you're guarded enough. And you're giving love a chance to grow, but you're not at all costs attaching to anybody that um, you you know that comes across your way. So this takes um, a process, and oftentimes, especially if you you're coming out of a past relationship, um, you came out of a toxic relationship, you have a lot of trauma in path in the past. Um, oftentimes we think of men as being more avoidant, but I work with so many women that are actually more avoidant because we've been through these situations that we're so guarded. So this looks like um, practically on a dating app, um, you everyone's a no because, oh, I found this thing or that thing or whatever. So you're not giving anybody a chance. Or after the first date, they say one thing and you're like, okay, they're, you know, they reminded me of this person or whatever. Um, and then the anxious attachment looks like, oh, well, they don't mean anything I'm looking for, but they seem like a nice guy. So I'll give you a fifth date. So we really have to find that balance, um, which, and I think that comes from doing the inner work, um, the community, you know, having um, people around you that are supportive and can kind of help challenge you, but also support you and tell you when, um, you know, someone might not be a good fit um, and really trial and like practicing and mm-hmm. learning that discernment. That's a muscle we have to practice with. Now, Christy, for women who are walking through trauma, they've been traumatized and they've been doing work and they want to try dating. Dating is full of triggers. So if we're already feeling that undercurrent of anxiety or we're already feeling like we want to push away, inevitably something in these experiences is going to cause that to flare up. 
At what point would you say for a woman, hey, keep at it versus, all right, maybe it's a time to back up and regroup? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what I would say that what's really important to do is after, I mean, I obviously I'm a therapist, I'm a big advocate of therapy, but especially if you've gone through pretty much anything, we've all had situations, really getting godly counsel, therapist, uh, pastoral, like whoever, that's going to really allow you a safe place to process and make sure that you're not creating blocks um, in your own way to finding that good and healthy relationship because of that past experience. So that's really the first baseline that I would say to do if you're coming out of a relationship or you're feeling triggered, you're dating and you're feeling those triggers all over the place, really get grounded in that and then practice noticing what the triggers are. And then having that, what I really um, advocate and teach is what I call reflective dating. Nowadays, dating apps, everything's a reflex. Yes, no, we decide the average is like 10 seconds that we look at a dating profile and we're already deciding if they're a good fit. Um, So I really encourage being reflective about the process. So if you're feeling triggered from a date or an interaction, reflecting and saying, okay, like, is this true? Like, is there uh, validity to this? How does this match up with my list? And this awareness is really built from that counsel and getting to know, you know, how those experiences affected you. Then from that place of awareness, you can act in a way that's aligned with who you are authentically and make those decisions. And really, like you said, trusting yourself and forgiving yourself um, for a lot of times we hold guilt um, against ourselves for making the wrong decision or what we think is the wrong decision in the past or um, having things have happened um, you know, to our kids. And so we really have to, God's already forgiven us and released us from that. We really have to forgive ourselves and notice that, you know, this, that's not your fault. Like you are deserved to trust yourself and you have that inner wisdom and intuition from God that you can trust yourself with the judgment, but you have to release your own, the judgment of yourself for anything that's Mm. happened in the past and trust that you can make the right decisions moving forward. That's so good. And I think the transparency of bringing in wise counsel, friends and pastoral help, therapist, all these types of things, it makes it that you're not making this decision wholly on your own. And I think that's part of the fear that comes along with this is there's a lot riding on the choices that we make. And we already may have had an experience that didn't go so well the first time. Mm -hmm. And it's, it is knowing though, that you may experience some triggers. If you are dealing with a really kind, wonderful, genuine person, they will understand that. They may have some patience for that. You can be open in your communication about that. If you ever feel like you have to run or stuff or pretend or put up a front or anything like that so that this person won't leave you or won't judge you, to me, that suddenly was, that's where I have become the most aware that "Hmm, this might not be actually a good fit for me Mm -hmm. because of how it changes me. It doesn't even necessarily mean there's something wrong with that person. It can just mean that, you know, for the for this particular person or at this particular time, maybe even the way we met, maybe meeting strangers online is not the way for you. Mm-hmm. And it's just being sensitive to where you're at in the journey mm-hmm. and saying, you know what, it could change. Maybe for a while of not online dating, you can go back to it later. 
or maybe no, you swear off of it forever and you just are meeting people sort of like to say in the wild, but you know, like in your, your, you know, comings and goings and things like that. But it's giving ourselves some flexibility that it doesn't have to look any one certain way mm-hmm. and give yourself the grace to know, yeah, you're going to have to live this out in front of another person and probably another person that you barely know. But mm-hmm. that also can be a benefit. You yeah. may not really ever see them again. So yeah, <laughs> exactly true. Yeah. And I think that that I love what you, um, you know, said about being really flexible with yourself. And I often say one of the most important qualities in a person um, is flexibility or agreeableness. Like how can someone work with you? Because even if you, if they're very rigid and you're very rigid, there's going to be things that life throws you that you're going to need to have that grace and that agreeable nature and being willing to work with you. And it, as if you can model that to yourself, that can, um, that will then be something that you won't accept mm-hmm. somebody else who doesn't model that or who doesn't mm-hmm. accept that in yourself. So that's where that work and that self-esteem uh, and that growth comes from of like, I'm not just going to be with anybody and that I don't need some, a significant other to be significant. And um, also trusting that God can redeem any situation um, that you can, there's no mistake you can make that is irredeemable in this area. And that, um, you know, that you have that promise through that relationship with God that you're not, that's not a possibility. So there's no uh, pressure. There's not so much pressure on Mm -hmm. what you do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'd like to take a short break from our conversation to mention our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available on the go. And it works through an app where you are able to schedule video sessions or just chat with your counselor throughout the course of the week. And I've found that having the combination of Christian teaching and counseling together was so encouraging and so healing for me. If you have been considering Christian counseling and you would like to give Faithful Counseling a try, you can get 10% off of your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash single mom. Chrissy, for a woman who is going into a dating situation and is looking at a potential red flag, maybe rude to the waiter, something that is obviously a red flag. What do you suggest a woman do in the moment? Does she need to respond in the moment? Can she take some time? How do you think we can approach this? Yeah. So usually what I recommend on a first date is to not make any decisions or um, comments unless obviously they're being very offhand. You can just walk out of any date. I also want to empower that (laughs) to happen um, if necessary. But I usually say to just reflect on a date um, rather than making decisions or analyzing in your mind. If it's something like that, I might like make a comment um, and then see how they respond or react um, to the waiter situation. Um, and then after the first date, I always say, then you want to decide if you want a second date or not, because unfortunately what happens a lot of times, um, with us as women and just people in general is that we're really in our head on, on a date or on a first date, and then we're not really present. So we're, okay, that happened. And now we're analyzing. And then, um, oftentimes in matchmaking, I get feedback after someone would go on a date. And especially with women, um, the feedback I'd get is, oh, I knew she wasn't interested in me. 
And mm-hmm. and why was that? Well, she was, oh, is he too short? Is he too tall? Do I like his classes? You know, things like that, which aren't deal breakers, obviously. But if you see things that you're like, I'm not sure about, um, I call those yellow flags. So mm-hmm. it's a one-time incident. If they're, you know, um, they said something that kind of rubbed you the wrong way or whatever, this is what I would call a yellow flag. But if you discover it's that consistent um, characteristic over time or it's something, you know, completely unforgivable, then you can just, you know, either cut the date short or whatever. Usually I recommend that your first day is not very long in general. So ideally your out is coming in, you know, 30 to 45 minute dates in general. So, um, so that is, uh, what I usually recommend is to kind of take it, eat and reflect on, okay, is this a character quality? Are there, what did I enjoy? What did I not enjoy? And are there any deal breakers that came up? Mm -hmm. Set that up for us as far as the first date, really what, should that look like? You mentioned it should be short, mm-hmm. how short possible location, those types of things. Yeah. So usually if you're meeting somebody from a dating app, I personally still recommend doing a FaceTime um, date. And usually what I teach my clients um, is around really discovering what um, that they meet your must haves and getting in the messaging portion on a dating app, getting to the root of like, okay, this is actually like a good person. There's that conversation. They meet my criteria. So most of what I teach is like how to ask those questions. Um, and I teach how to get from uh, messaging to a uh, FaceTime or impersonate in five messages or less. So you're not wasting your time, but you're efficiently gathering the information that's important enough to say, okay, are they worth investing this time and energy in meeting. Um, so then I usually recommend still uh, setting up a FaceTime date, depending, you know, obviously COVID made that more, um, more of a normal thing to do, but I think it's a good thing to do in general, because if you don't have that connection or you, they make some offhanded comment or they're like, they're rubbing you the wrong way, you don't feel comfortable. You can discover all of those things on a FaceTime without putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation on a date. So, um, I usually recommend, Hey, would you be up for a quick FaceTime chat, you know, it doesn't have to be more than 10, 10 to 15 minutes. And then if that like goes well, then you can, you know, do an in-person date. And I always recommend like buffering an in-person date. So if you go out Saturday for lunch, you're like, yeah, I'm free for lunch. I have a birthday party after or whatever at this time, but I can free from this time to this time. So, and that time period, I usually recommend not being over an hour maybe hour, 15 minutes at the FaceTime went really well, but you're giving yourself an out before the date even starts. So they don't think like you decide, Oh, I caught an emergency and you're out the door. Um, <laughs> so, um, and then in that time period, that's where you just really connect with how you're feeling in the moment present. You're not asking super deep questions because you've got a lot of that out in the messaging and the FaceTime, but you're paying more attention to that connection. And if they make you feel comfortable, if there's that um, warmth and what you're looking for, for that chemistry and then kind of going from there. I like this approach because I think it is so good to approach these things in digestible little bites. Mm -hmm. So a couple of messages, not days worth of messaging and, you know, a short FaceTime, then maybe a little bit longer interaction, something like a coffee or something like that. That's not super committal. And it it's easing this in, in such a way that is more, natural in the sense that I'm just getting to know you a little by little. I don't insta want to be your girlfriend, you know, (laughs) or vice versa. You know, it's just one of those things that the pacing is really important. Mm -hmm. Um, and it keeps us again, whether we are fearful and this just keeps us in the ring because it's just a little bit more, a little bit more, Mm -hmm. or if we are going to throw ourselves into something, it causes us to 
be cautious and to restrain where we need to. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you can't go wrong with it when you are leaving with a little more to be desired, basically, yeah. rather than exactly. spending up all your time and then being confused afterwards, like what just exactly. happened? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's where that, like I talked about earlier, that's where that, you know, um, monitoring your emotional investment really is easy. Cause mm-hmm. if you create the boundary around it, you're not texting all day, you're not, um, date, having a five hour date or you're pouring out your heart, then you can really, um, see somebody over that time period, over a longer time period and see if that character stays consistent versus if you, all that happens in the beginning, you don't really know still yet who the person is. Um, and then you're giving yourself that time um, to discover that as well as monitoring your own emotional investment um, in the person before they've really gotten to that point. And you know, dating is all about momentum. So you want to build that momentum. You don't want you know, everything to crash in the first week. Um, So you really want that to kind of grow and to continue enjoying time together. One of the biggest pushbacks I get from women is, oh, he won't want to do that. Well, if he doesn't want to respect your boundary or what makes you feel comfortable, then you, that's a great uh, indicator that he's not your person and Mm -hmm. that's okay. So Mm -hmm. that's a a boundaries are the best way to know um, how someone reacts to them or the best way to know if they're a good match, good fit or not. If they can't respect them, then they're not your person. That's so good. And I think, again, this goes back to that concept of match to say, does our investment match? Does our level of respect for one each, one another's boundaries match? Mm-hmm. And then does the maturity match? It's a, it's a, These are the ways that we test these things out. I love this. Christy, I want to shift into our kids and dating with kids. How can we go about discussing this topic with our kids in such a way that we're preparing them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a great question. And um, my clients that are parents, I get asked this pretty frequently. And the first thing that I really want to say is that, um, you know, I've I've worked with kids a lot in my practice before, and they're truly more resilient than we often think that they are in many different ways. So I think that one of the things that comes up with this is that um, not really knowing what is appropriate, what's going to affect them in different ways and what's going to hurt them. But the most important thing is that communication with them in a way that really makes them feel like they're getting you fully and fully present. And also that you're modeling, you know, health and a healthy relationship, God willing, when you meet that person down the road for them, that this investment in them is really an investment in yourself, which makes you a better parent, as well as, um, you know, their future to be a better place for them. So one of the things, and obviously this really depends on age and developmental level in your communication and how um, that plays out. But one of the things that you could say is that, um, you know, mommy's really looking into and praying about um, meeting somebody that might be, you know, a future um, person. And that process takes some sometimes time. So there will be a few days and giving them some predictability. Like if you have a night that you want to say, okay, it's a date night. So a few days that, you know, babysitter, someone's going to be watching you. Um, and also um, another route that you could go depending on their age, if they're a lot older, um, you could just kind of be honest about where you're at in your process and 
letting them know, I will definitely let you know if, you know, this becomes, it becomes, I meet someone that I really want you to meet. It's so important for me that you're involved and we're a family um, kind of in this process that you feel comfortable as well. And that you can always come to me and talk to me about any questions you're having, any feelings, just being really open with them about that they can come to talk and process things with you and that there's going to be that open communication so that they just don't think that there's something happening that they're not like aware of. And I think that's when what really kind of causes more anxiety with kids of like, oh, I don't know what's happening. What if something just happens and I won't be prepared? So really taking those things into account. Um, and you know, your kids, you know, God entrusted you with your kids. So you know them better than anyone else. So really tuning into that inner wisdom of what is appropriate. Maybe you have a kid that maybe you'd prefer not actually telling them you're dating until you meet a person that you want to introduce them to. Maybe you want you do want to let them know that you are because you don't want them to be like, wait, what? You're dating? <laughs> Depending on their age and developmental level. So really trusting that inner wisdom and also being really um, open with that communication so that they know that they can come to you is important. I think the preparatory conversation can be really healing as well, just because kids very often, especially if they're on the older end, they want to have a say Mm -hmm. and they may feel that there's a little bit of control that's taken, or they may feel that they're going to lose your attention Mm -hmm. if you are seeking this relationship. Mm -hmm. And even just to ask them how they feel Mm -hmm. is empowerment to them. Mm-hmm. So even if they, how they feel is, I don't like it. <laughs> and that may happen. Um, I think it's great to give them the avenue though, to say that and to say, Hey, mm-hmm. I understand, you know, yeah. what don't you like about that? Tell me about that. Tell me what you're afraid of. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just draws that place together where we have the ability to reassure them that mm-hmm. we're being prayerful. We're being, we're being intentional and that this is something that there are lots of people that we've built a team around this so that everyone is safe and that there is transparency and all. And these are just great as our kids get older, even that they recognize that this is a pattern that we would want them to follow. Mm -hmm. That if we've got teenaged kids, that it's to say, we want to be part of your team, that Mm -hmm. we want to have mentors and we want to have, you know, pastoral support, whomever it is that these same people that are on my team can actually Mm -hmm. be on your team also. Um, And so there can be a little bit of this side-by-side experience that's going on if the kids are maybe in that older space. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the actual process, so say getting ready to go out to dinner or something along those lines, do you think it is helpful for kids to see some of that process? Maybe not necessarily somebody coming to pick you up, (laughs) but some part of how this sort of is stepped through and maybe does that depend on the child? Yeah, I think it could definitely depend on the child, but I think really the most important thing, um, like any process, like it's all grist for the mill, like they say. So really any part of the process that you take them through, don't take them through. I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong, but it's really like anything that can be talked about. It can be a moment where they're seen and heard. Um, and that that presence is so important in parenting. They can, if you can provide that presence with anything that you're doing or going through or whatever, that's what's going to be the most important. So if you decide to include them, just you know b- bring in your presence. If you don't decide to, like find ways that you can still like bring in that presence and making sure that you're there for them. That's really what kids want in that growth is that okay? Are you there for me? Are you still going to be there for me? And knowing that that's not going to change no matter what circumstance changes is most important. Mm-hmm. 
What guidance do you have around introducing our children to somebody maybe we've been dating for a little while? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first thing that I would say here is that this should be decided over multiple conversations with your significant other. Um, so really preparing them and setting them up for success. Um, I personally don't, it depends again on the age and your kid and stuff, but I usually recommend to clients that until you're like in a relationship, I don't recommend that like official introduction or like um, any introduction. And I usually typically think if you're going, you know, the way that I train people um, in the dating process, that shouldn't be over uh, more than like 10 dates, like maybe like two months. You should really know if they're, you're in a relationship or you're not in a relationship. Mm-hmm. If there's any confusion there. I, I don't think that's a good sign. But that at that point, it should really be multiple conversations where you're expressing, you know, you're letting them know about your family, um, very specific things about them. And again, same as dating. It's kind of like they're dating your kid now. So mm-hmm. short and sweet, um, <laughs> you know, like some activities or what I call it, like context dates. So it's not just like an awkward, depending on your age group, it's not just like they're just sitting at a dinner. Um, so con- activity dates are great. Um, I would definitely, they also have kids too. I would definitely make those two separate Mm -hmm. sorts of introduction situations. Um, And it's all about that communication too. So just letting your kids know, like, you know, there's someone I want to introduce you to, letting them know, you know, you're not yet married again or whatever, like, and that if they feel comfortable, maybe like after meeting, maybe, you know, they can all hang out again, but not it being like, okay, now they met and now he can come to the house, you know, all the other Mm -hmm. boundaries are Mm -hmm, then crossed, mm -hmm. but really taking it step by step. And again, if they're your person, they're going to respect all those boundaries and that process, but you really want to make it um, a bit by bit experience for your kids to to start getting used to that idea and work through their attachment and not knowing yet if that person is going to be in their life long-term. And that's the piece that you really want to be uh, processing with them. I love this because I think when we think of that phrase, guard your heart, sometimes it can be so overused and yet we don't even know what that means. (laughs) And this is how we do it for our kids. Mm -hmm. And it's the same. As you mentioned, it's a little bit at a time. It's a little at a time. It's a little bit of watching, a little bit of waiting. And so whether that's for us or for our kids, Mm -hmm. that that is how we're able to open our heart and perhaps allow someone into that space. But we're we're able to gauge a little bit over time Mm -hmm. whether or not this person, what they say and what they do, do they Mm -hmm. match up and are they a match for us? Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this process can be a little bit overwhelming though, and sometimes frustrating, sometimes discouraging Mm -hmm. for a woman who's listening, Christy, who is just burnt out on this whole thing, like wants a relationship, but is so, so discouraged. Mm -hmm. What would you say to her? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, I just have such a heart for being in that space. And one of my favorite um, scriptures in the Bible, and when you actually look into it, is actually quite a phenomenal experience that we get um, clued into is when Jesus meets the woman at the well. And um, there's so many layers of that experience, but obviously from my lens as a dating and relationship coach, what was so fascinating about their interaction is that Jesus knew exactly what was going on in her relationships. And I, um, you know, she she said, you know, he told her, you don't, yeah, you don't have, you haven't had six husbands. You actually have someone at home and they're not your husband. And, and she offered, and then he offered, you know, her living water. And what I really took 
take from that interaction is that, you know, God knows exactly where you're at. Like Jesus knows exactly what your relationships are looking like, what your past looks like, and he can redeem any of those situations. And um, so I think that when you feel that loneliness, that discouragement, that like hopelessness, that turning to him and just kind of allowing that surrender is the most important because I think we've all had times in relationships where we kind of, or anything that we really desire that we try to control how things play out or um, really want a certain ending. Um, But ultimately what we want is um, to be aligned with what God wants for our lives and making those decisions from that place. But just knowing that you're not alone in the process and that you have a good desire and seeing it play out is that kind of combination of faith and work. So like trusting God and then also being, if he has steps for you to take in that journey, I think is the most important, but just knowing that you're seen and held um, hopefully can be an encouragement through those difficult parts of the journey. That's so beautiful. I think in my own journey, one of the things that I've done in the past is sort of do this thing separate from God or pray that he would bless it, but then kind of just go and figure it out on my own. Mm -hmm. And in the last several months, I've had this understanding of what it was like in ancient cultures for the dad to arrange a marriage. Mm-hmm. And for the dad, the father to pull these things together to form a new family mm-hmm. and thought, wow, <laughs> what if I really looked at this as I would want God to arrange this. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean though, that like, I totally like throw my hands up and I just, you know, sit in my, hap- my house and wait for you know someone <laughs> to show up, but to say, well, if I, if I wanted to do really what pleased God. And I really wanted to see whatever it was that he had. And I just opened my hands up and just went after the life that he has for me already and allow him to then bring forth new understanding, new relationships, whatever it would be. The closeness with him is going to be that first and foremost thing that will allow me to see another person who has that same closeness with God. And that's Mm -hmm. what is God arranging that marriage or that relationship is saying, I am present in all of these interactions with all of these people. And Mm -hmm. so when you are attuned to the relationship with me as your dad, Mm -hmm. not just your father, capital Mm -hmm. F, you know, but like your dad, that you're going to have the ability to identify someone else who is walking in a similar way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And yeah. It is just when we are doing it with him, everything is so much less scary, makes so much more sense. <laughs> yeah. And it's just a way more enjoyable ride. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> Christy, as we get to the end of the conversation, I ask every guest the same question. And it is, if there was just one more thing that you would want a single mom to know, what would it be? For me, it would probably be just the knowledge that like you have such an amazing role and gift like that God's entrusted you as a mom and that the fact that he like, you know, chose this, your, your kid for you also means that he has chosen, if that's in his plan for you, the person for you. And that's always, you know, people always ask me this 
do you believe in soulmate question? And I don't think it's true on the level that we see it in movies. But I think when we look at, you know, Psalm 139, it said, I formed you in my, in your mother's womb. Like I knew you before you were there. That to me says like, he knew that whatever, you know, you know, whatever had to happen for you to exist and also for your kid to exist, he was sovereign over that. And so he is also in control of this area of your life. So how we had how we can trust him. I think always sometimes easier to trust in some areas for some people and not in others. Mm -hmm. And so I like pray and hope that in that like trust of, well, like, you know, children being a blessing from the Lord and that he entrusted you and gave this blessing to you. He will also bless you. Um, He will give you good things in this area of your life too. Mm, So good. Thank you. Christy, tell listeners about your resources and how they can follow along with you. Yeah. So um, you can find me on Instagram um, at the date Dr. Christie and my website is therapyfordating.com. I have a free guide there on which dating app is right for you. If you feel like you're going the online dating route, um, you can check that out. And then I um, have uh, my group where I teach my methodology is called find the one. Um, and that is open enrolling people at different points in time. So hopefully you can apply and see if um, you're really interested in investing in that area. You can uh, check that out on my website and my Instagram. Awesome. And I will have links to all of those in the show notes to make it easier for listeners to find you. But thank you so much. It was such a good time chatting with you today. Thank you so much, Michelle. I really enjoyed it. God bless. If you enjoyed this conversation, you'll also get a lot from episode 75, Dating Myths and Mistakes, Changing the Way You Date to Avoid Heartbreak and Find a Godly Match with J.P. Pakluda. You'll also enjoy episode 72, Setting Boundaries, Improve Your Relationships, and Boost Your Emotional Health with Dr. Allison Cook. As we wrap up the conversation, I'd like to draw your attention to a couple of resources available for you in the show notes. The first is our guided scripture meditation that goes along with each and every episode that you can find at the Agape Moms YouTube channel. Also, there's a link there to follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Agape Moms and to join the private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Lastly, if you'd like to spend some time reflecting in prayer on what you've learned in this episode, check out the link for our free podcast pages, journaling pages. Thanks for spending time with me today. I'm praying for you and that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.